you're the music program. What? Yeah, dude. Because and what happened was you and I were sitting at the table trying to make a stupid flyer to take around the coffee shops, and we didn't have any skills, you know? Not only did we not have skills, we had zero budget. Yeah. I had white paper and a big black marker. Yeah. And basically the only one who could make a, a flyer of any note was... Because he could draw, too. Chuck. Hello there, everybody, and welcome to the VIP podcast. Man, we've got some awesome stories for you today with the founders of this incredible establishment. Remember, high school is tough for everyone, but these guys are trying to make an environment that not only cultivates creativity, but promotes personal development in a way that I don't think I've seen in a long time. Their passion is contagious, their comedy is completely outrageous, and we had too much fun recording this podcast. So without further ado, let's dive in to what the VIP crew is up to today, tomorrow, and what they plan to do for years to come. This is the VIP Roundtable podcast. I'm Stefan Vandenkoin, and I'm getting to co-host with the Brad Kopenick, who right now is telling me to vote for Pedro. What's up, my brother? You know you got to vote for Pedro. No, actually, you just have to vote. <laughs> Please vote. Who are we here with, Brad? We are here talking about a very special place that I'm extremely proud of having been involved. At the beginning, I'm no longer involved. I'm an advisory board member, but it's VIP High School. Mm. So we're sitting with the founding team here, which is Ann Cochran. Hey, Ann. Hey, that's me. How are you doing? Good. Great. And Chuck Cochran. Hey, Brad. Hey, guys. So one thing, I thought it would be interesting to tell the origin story because this is really a culmination of our, our life, our lives work together. It was an opportunity to start a high school about six years ago, Andy? We're in the seventh year now. Seventh year. So it's been seven and a half years since that March. My journey landed me at this new Charter High School in Van Nuys that was in process of graduating its first senior class. It was about the middle of the year. So I went in there trying to pitch some business and they informed me they didn't have any money. So on my way out the door, I turned around and said, well, I have to do, you know, some free hours to finish my professional certificate. And how would you feel about me coming and and just working for you for free for a little while and helping your kids. And they jumped at it and they said, well, sure. So I showed up the next Monday morning and there was nowhere to be. They were crowded. They were bursting at the seams. They were on this old church campus with a great big courtyard. And these kids were all running wild all over the place. And it was uh, total bedlam. And uh, they said, well, we don't have any place to put you. You're going to have to figure it out. So I went into the big assembly hall and I found a big folding table and a couple of folding chairs and I dragged them outside and on the post next to me I put a sign that I hurriedly drew with a pencil, you know, and with an arrow pointing downward like peanuts and it said college counselor. It was literally like yeah. like Lucy, <laughs> Lucy and Linus from Charlie Brown yeah. is sitting there, psychiatry, five cents. Wow. So the, one thing I think when... Whenever I meet people who start charter schools or people who are founding teachers at charter mm -hmm. schools even, is that you have to have a certain entrepreneurial spirit. What, what was it like working with your husband? Because, you know, there are couples who can work together and there are couples who cannot work together. So, you know, did it help? Did it hurt? Was it a growing experience? Uh, I thought it was great. I think we, yeah, we, we, we always got along. 
and I think our skills... We've, been, we've got married super young, so our rough years were the first 10 or 12 years. Which is what brings us again back to why we're sitting here. Yeah. Because we, we had trial by fire, the three of us. Yes. We're suddenly sitting in a situation where we're going to open a high school within a couple months. And... Uh, and we've you, never done any such thing before. Yeah, I, I was a founding teacher at five charter schools in the Valley, but I, I'm an educator. And Anne's... Has administrative experience, I mean, but I, not in education. I, I knew a lot right. about college. Yeah. You know, so I the, didn't know how to run a school. So the long and short is we're sitting around this little white table, and Chuck is not, not necessarily officially in yet, except I'm thinking, what brings kids to high school? We literally had a whiteboard session sitting at a little kitchen table. Okay, what is this? Yeah. And it pretty quickly... The design of the school became apparent, which is college communication culture. That's and, the tag. And the reason I say yeah. that is she's so good at what she does. She's kind of humble about it. But college educator, the Changes Lives Award. I want to say University of Chicago gave her. She's an award, an award-winning educator, and she'll do whatever. What it, what it is? What happened? When, you know that story that started at Chance. What I quickly learned in that was that public school kids are not treated the same as high-end private school kids. And that was news to me because when our kids were coming up, you know, we were just ordinary folks really, uh, by comparison, were from the wrong side of the tracks. But we put our kids in private, good private high schools all the way through our L.A. life, you know, and they ended up at Harvard-Westlake where they received superb college handling in every way and I think I thought that's what was happening in the world mm. you know and I learned at that time public school kids are just slotted into the same old same old yeah. where uh, they're still living in the 1958 California model which is the top 10 percent get shuffled into some UC campus mm. next 30 percent down are directed at some CSU campus Everybody else can go fish in the overcrowded uh, community colleges, and you can always hear some counselor type doing this sing-songy thing where they say, well, you know, you can always go to community college for two years and then transfer. Yeah. Well, it's not that easy anymore because yeah. the community colleges, uh, at least in this area, are quite crowded. Most kids do not make it out of there in two years, much yeah. less make it out at all. So... I quickly learned that someone needs to be offering a better idea. Right. So my thing is, I'm an outlier guy. So I'm always going to look for the students at a school who are sitting against the fence, yeah. the farthest away, right? And I'm going to want to know what's going to get them engaged. Yeah. And Anna, Anna will attest to that. But I literally seek out, like, how, how do you get somebody involved in right. something? And usually it's the arts, right? It's going to be... Almost always. And at the school we were at, you were either in an arts program or you weren't. And there were hundreds of kids who weren't. Yeah. And talk a little bit, just for 10 seconds, 30 seconds, about why would you start a school? Was that in your DNA anywhere? The interesting thing was, when I was a little girl, I used to sit around on the floor and draw floor plans of my school someday and how I was going to run it. And my older, my one and only brother, who's eight years older, I took my little plans to him one day and said, uh, this is the school I'm going to run someday. And he just said, oh, Anne. And that was the end of it. Mm. And so I never came back to it because I felt sort of stupid and ashamed, you know. 
But yeah, I think it was always in the back of my mind and I could, I could see it. And that school that I held in my head was that little dilapidated building we ended up with on Friars. So the little dilapidated building had been sitting there for a few years and I'd actually taught in it at this other high school a few times. And I always kind of looked around. So I was working with a kid who was a friend of my son's named Ian Lampert. And Ian is arguably one of the best speech teachers, I think, in the world. But I would drive him by this brick building and say, I'm going to build you high school one day. So we get this space. And then it was like, okay, we got a couple months to put, what, a few hundred kids? And we were doing a thing where we were trying to get them in by the summer. So one of the first things we did, Chuck's sitting over there. Chuck has so many damn skills. He's one of these Renaissance men. And so at one point, he's just like, dude, you're, you're the music program. What? Yeah, dude. Because well, what happened was you and I were sitting at the table trying to make a stupid flyer to take around to coffee shops. And we didn't have any skills, you know. Not only did we not have skills, we had zero budget. Yeah. I had white paper and a big black marker. Yeah. And basically the only one who could make a, a flyer of any note was... Because he can draw, too. Chuck. But he, but he, he kept walking by, and he said, "You need help with that." <laughs> so I got yeah. sucked in, <laughs> sucked yes. in. All right, into so the vortex. My, and my experience, I come on at an entertainment. I had bands also when I was young, but more Tiger Beat. Because you've acted as well, Brad. Yes. Oh yeah. I was an actor and I yeah. was a producer, yeah. and found my way into education sort of by accident, twenty uh, something years ago. But Chuck is exactly the kind of star teacher that when you identify, you immediately hire. Mm. There are certain teachers, when you're putting together a team like that, when they come through, you don't say, we'll get back to you. You say, come on in. Yeah. And by the way, Norm was very good at that from our yeah. former school. Very good at identifying Norm was talent. great at that. So Chuck yeah. was like, dude, there is no, like, you're what's going to bring students to the school. So VIP is a charter high school that mm -hmm. focuses on college-bound success but what do we do there? Well, I was with Get Lit, and I knew where the other arguably best Get Lit coach in the world was, and her name's Kelly Grace Thomas, and she came over. So I knew that our kids would be involved in self-expression. Ian's the best speech and debate coach. That means that kids are going to be thinking critically, and they're going to learn how to communicate, which makes it a communication school. And then we're all going to play alternative music and rock and roll. Wow. Parents, students, staff. Yeah. So that's what we did. We led with a big old concert that summer. Yeah, the best thing about it for me was, I mean, I always knew that I was going to reach a certain age and start teaching kids. Best thing about it was the prospect of, I get to design my own program. I knew where some other Chucks were, or one was Michael Horn. He's now the principal of the school. Yeah. And Michael was just a, he's just an officious dot the I yeah. curriculum instruction dude. Yeah. You know him when you meet him. Yeah. You know, and he's out of the Teach for America program, and we'd work. Oh, I'd yeah, been, he's real. He's I actually spent a year sort of just vetting him anyway, because when you hit somebody that real, you're like, that guy. So right. Ann and I, I'd made a joke to him when Michael came over. I was like, there's your principal, because I was, That's right. I, I'm not principal material or vice principal material. They, he'd shown up from New York, and he had this gig at, at, the, at our school, and, uh, you know, we kept hearing from other teachers that this guy's a great teacher. And he was in some back classroom, minding his own business, doing it. So we, Brad contacted him, and he came over here and sat down at the table and started laying out his curriculum plans and everything. And that's when Brad said, there's your principal. And he's right. I was the principal for the first four years. And I, you know, I regarded it as kind of a joke because I didn't come from education. And I was 
sort of making it up as I went along. I knew what it was supposed to look like, but not really, mm. you know. But I knew and, some rock star did. principles, yeah. and, and one of the qualities were you leave your door open, you know, you're the place students congregate at lunch, yeah. or you're the kind of administrator that walks through classrooms. You're on the go. You're constantly checking in. Yeah. And I worked at several progressive, sort of liberal, private, progressive institutions around, you know, rock stars. I was the first through. type, not the second. Well, anyway. I, I could not walk through a No, no, but Anne's thing was, was Anne's, Anne's got an open door to students. She will do whatever it takes to move a student to college success, regardless of what where the student comes from. Mm. And that's financially. And, and as a result, they flock to her. Yeah. I mean, every, all the parents and all the students want Anne's attention. Mm. End of story. She's the key man. End well, of story. it's because I tell it like it is. Yeah. I don't. I don't pull the wool over their eyes. I, I tell them, and sometimes they they, they they get mad when they hear what I have to say because I don't deliver them a party line. Mm. So I just I, part of doing a yeah. podcast like this for me now is six years later, we made a promise that we discover that we would deliver a college-bound experience where you were playing rock and roll at a yeah. fairly high level, where the students would be speech and debate champions and get lit champions, and that's it. Mm. We also did mindfulness, and we had some fun. We did all kinds of culture building. So the yeah. first six months, and I've been through some startups in my life, but the first six months was the most grueling, uh, crazy startup experience because we weren't being delivered what we were promised in terms of servicing our Like right off the bat, we weren't. And we're talking about like the basics. We won't get like into it. Toilet paper. <laughs> now, yeah. now, now, yeah. there's a beauty to that. And yeah. you know what the beauty is? The sound of that rock and roll coming out of the other room. A big empty church where I'm playing Spolin games with hundreds of kids yeah. all day long. That means we're doing team, but there were no phones yet. Yeah. We didn't have computers yet. We barely didn't had rosters. So... <laughs> Think about that. We had an opportunity that very rarely presents itself in education where we literally were team building all day long. Yeah. I'd go out and get pizzas. Anne and I would do pizza with the principals. Students would run over into Chuck's room at lunch and play music. Yeah. We're making music. We're making poetry. Yeah. We're making art. Yeah. We're doing it really organically. Sloppy, yes. Magical, yes. Yeah. And, so they, my were, joke, and they were going to a range of colleges from... Everything from, you know, Ivy League and Yale and so forth down through any kind of niche liberal arts college, through yeah. art colleges, through the, you know, UCs and Cal States, everything, where yeah. they do everything. And then we didn't yeah. want to have a film program because we, we really were focused on college-bound communications and academics and rock and roll. Yeah. But I went and made a deal with some of the local film schools, one of them being Relativity and a few others. So we shot 23 Films in the first year. Yes. Students were worked on the crew. Students were actors. Yeah. We had some that students directed. One was called A Student Named Art, which went on and took off from our student Mila Kuda. Mm. She wrote a poem, and uh, it was out of a project with Get Lit Relativity Media. Yeah. So we were shooting content on the weekends. I'm inviting in Royal Shakespeare Company actors from London who all are gathering in the church with our students. Wow. Anne didn't know half of it was going on because it would have made her crazy because we were running. She's working like a dog. I'm marketing like a madman. Chuck was and Chuck, fixing the roof. Chuck is, <laughs> and Chuck's fixing the roof, playing the gardener, and brings over all of his equipment and buys 
the students' wow. equipment. I mean, Chuck will wow. give you drums. If you don't have drums, he was making sure that students had drums wow. at their home. And delivering them. Or a new guitar. Wow. And delivering them. Wow. Who well, does that? I didn't pay for all of that. I mean, no. A lot, but, a lot of stuff was, I, I, paid, I paid for all the rock and roll gear, but people made donations. Yeah. Right. So I would collect crappy drum sets, you know, and then when a student needed one, I go, here's a crappy drum set for yeah. you. Yeah, right. You know, and, and, and I, you Some know, of them actually learned. Oh, yeah. yeah. Some of them, some of those kids uh, turned into real One drummers. of them is, is now at Berkeley College yeah. of Music in Boston. Yeah. The the format of your guys' school is college preparatory. How can we prepare you for college? What what I'm seeing is a shift in value in college. The colleges are becoming more expensive and the degree you're getting is becoming less, less valuable. Yeah. yeah. So my question is with the current model that you currently have, what would it be that these kids could walk away with that doesn't lead to college? Because I'm hearing a lot of really positive things. People skills, communication skills, speech skills, uh, small business skills, uh, management skills, whatever it may be, right? Do these kids have to go to university? Is that the goal or is the goal to make them more well-rounded individuals? Well, you know, it's a tough question because uh, we don't know mm -hmm. with, the, with the current state of, you know, we're, we're way invested in this whole college thing. And yet every year colleges seem to be lowering themselves in our esteem, you know. Yeah. But uh, I, we don't, we're, we're grappling with that issue right now. All I know is that I don't have to worry about it so much because I'm just teaching music, yeah. you know. But I, what I've noticed from teaching it is that, you know, the core of what I'm doing is teaching creativity. Let's write songs. Here's how you do it. Don't worry that it sucks the first time you try it. You know, yeah. let's just get this, move it, move it forward. And that process of teaching kids creativity infiltrates everything else they do. Yes. So it's, you know, that's a wonderful thing. That's my contribution. The college thing is... I, I think as far as college goes, one. I have done my damnedest to shy away from the notion that college is there to create marketable skills. Mm -hmm. That is a notion that happened post-World War II uh, where all the GIs came home and suddenly it was college, 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 and you need to go to college if you're going to get a good job. Yeah. Well, you know, that's true. The statistics play it out they, that you will make, uh, if you have a four-year degree on average, you'll make a million dollars more over your lifetime yeah. than the average bear who doesn't have one. Doesn't mean the average bear can't find success through various routes. People do it all the time. Yeah. We, hear, we, we hear the stories every day. But uh, the vast majority of people do tend to do better. And I think it's because, uh, first of all, they need four more years of cooking. Mm -hmm. They're not going to walk out of high school. It's not like uh, 1945. Yeah. They're not going to walk out of high school with the skill set to start in on something. It's not the way of the world. They still do need to cook, yeah. you know, in sure. the oven for They're a while. Baked yeah. yet. And, yeah. it, and it, it is a controlled uh, environment for trying things out as adults. Yeah. You're in a controlled space for that. Yeah. Also, what we do our best to sell, and it's a tough thing to sell because people generally don't want to hear it but it's the truth it's all about nurturing the life of the mind mm. uh, to quote some academic i heard somewhere along the line you want the inside of your head to be an interesting place to spend the rest of your life mm. that's kind of the point of college it's not to create you the you know going into a lifelong career people change careers all the time yeah. i've had 
I don't know how many major careers in my life at this age. I've had at least four major careers since the day I walked out of graduate school. Yeah. And uh, to put kids on a career path, it's very, by and large, kind of short-sighted. Yeah. And it's not what we're selling. Those kids should go to community college. They should go into a two-year trade program if that's, if that's what they truly want. Talk about some of the college where the kids matriculate to. Well, it's everything. They, 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 we've sent them to hundreds of different ones. We tend to send them more often than not out of state to private colleges with ample financial aid in place. Nobody mm. pays sticker price unless they're rolling in money, you know, yeah. and most people aren't. Yeah. And uh, so they go everywhere from, I think we've sent them to most of the Ivy League schools and things of that ilk. And then there's a whole world of small liberal arts colleges that we educate them on because there they're going to be able to be more personally handled. Um, I, I firmly believe that every kid on the planet, if, if parents would cooperate and if the culture would cooperate, mm. everyone should be in a small college. Mm. This idea of throwing kids into a big university environment where they're sitting in 500, 600, 700 person lecture halls for two years yeah. and getting very little out of it. I know very few learners who do well in that environment. It yeah. just breaks them down and it's good for nothing. Right. And if I could get everyone to hear the small college uh, message, I think the world would be a better place, but I know it's not going to happen because it's just too sexy. The idea of yeah. being in a big it is school well, and Hollywood Hollywood yeah. has had a big part to play yeah. in that because yeah. so many of the, the sexy college movies are. Right. I go to the university. I high the, school too. Right, I sit in the five hundred person lecture hall, and the professor right. sees me out of five hundred people. So I want to go be that person that the professor sees <laughs> yeah. because that's what happened in that yeah. movie. But that never fucking and, happened. And, and it's true at the high school level too. Yeah. Because just let me just go down that road a little. Kids, we have our hardest time attracting <laughs> a ninth grade class. We do better as they get a little older because ninth graders go to those movies you just cited. Yeah. And they think it's going to be like um, uh, Glee. It's going to be Glee <laughs> in high school. I fucking love Glee. Just yeah. <laughs> you just hit a... So, I love it. Push the button. So they, they get there. Push the yeah. Glee button. And it's nothing like what they imagined. Right. And they get lost in the shuffle. They might get... If they're a little sensitive, they might get bullied. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's... And so they find, some of them find their way to us because why? It's a small environment. I don't even know if they're necessarily hearing the college message anymore. What they see is small. Yeah. And that's what they crave. And there yeah. are two pieces to me in the arts that resonate. And that's social emotional intelligence, right? Mm -hmm. People talk and talk and talk and talk. We sit and sit and sit and read and read and read. And really, what does that come down to? Can you access your, can you? Identify your emotions. Can you access your emotions? Yeah. Can we help provide skills to help you manage your emotions? Yeah. And that's difficult for us as adults. Yeah. But it's difficult for me. That's for sure. What, hap <laughs> what happens at a school of three hundred, right? Yeah. As opposed to a school of three thousand. Right. Well, right there, if you've made the right hires, you can create a sacred space where students feel listened to. Mm. And we were at schools where students did not feel listened to. I was at schools that had arts programs and students did not feel like part of the conversation. Yeah. I feel like students at VAP 
feel like they're part of a conversation. They definitely feel that way. I mean, if you ask them, they'll say, you know, all the teachers at VIP care about us. Mm. And, uh, and I just know from my personal experience, it's kind of magical to sit there with those kids. I call them my little chickens now. Yeah. <laughs> and the other piece is real world experience. Where are you going? Mm. We're in COVID, but what is the next iteration of VIP High School? Building. Well, yeah, right now I think because Michael Horn and also Catherine Wilbert, who is assistant principal there, and they're both out of, uh, you know, Michael's out of Teach for America in New York and Catherine's out of Math for America, and they're both first and foremost educators. So mm. when we had to transition over to distance learning, it was as seamless as it gets, I would say, because they know their stuff. It looks like it has a very, very, very happy ending. And Chuck, the music program has grown and shifted in Bob. And I watched you pivot during COVID effectively with students in Zoom. And now, what's the next iteration of the music program at? Well, we're doing a show on December 1st. It's a live stream. It's going to be called Vipathon. VIP-a-thon? Yeah, right. like a telethon. We're going to try to raise some money for the move because we need furniture and stuff. And uh, I don't have an address yet. I'm just learning how, how live streams work. i got to get the, all the tech under my belt. I'm excited about that. I used to always say my teacher, I think I mentioned in another show, but threw us the keys to our education because he literally threw us the keys to the building mm -hmm. to rehearse in. And we took care of the building. Yeah. We were we felt empowered by that, and you're doing that. Personal statement of gratitude, quickly, to end yeah. the show. Chuck Cochran, thanks for bringing so much amazing music to the culture of this school and to all these students. But me personally, thanks for bringing it back into my life. Well, thanks for that VIP stamp, because that's what started it all. You got it, brother. <laughs> there it is. There it and is. do you have any last thoughts? Yeah, I since we're on the topic of that, of the show... Um, you can watch for it on, find us on Facebook, the Valley International Prep Facebook page, where we, we're putting up announcements every week leading up to that show. It's going to run from 5 p.m. to 10 p.m. on Tuesday, December 1st. That's the same night as the National uh, Giving Tuesday that's become popular. Yeah. So, so this is one of the it. best high schools in L.A. as named by The Hollywood Reporter, VIPHS.org. VIPHS.org, wow. that's wow. right. Thanks for letting me yeah. stay involved to you too. I love you guys. What, love a, you too, too, what a ride, right? Yeah. What yeah, a ride. It's crazy one. Good, good luck on the next chapter. Yeah.